First of all, I want to tell you guys how proud I am of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for how hard you've worked. You've gone through a lot, all this adversity. And I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of you. Thank you for representing us so well. But tonight is about another guy. His first win. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker podcast, where sometimes we're a little bit sweet, but at times we're also a little bit salty. I am your host, Scott. Um, the other host, Ken, uh, for uh, formerly known as my dad, um, he is currently working with some technical difficulties, so I decided I would uh, kick this off for us here, and we have a special guest today to not only recap the Indiana game, which was definitely a breath of fresh air but then to preview the Rutgers game we got a few games we're gonna play um in our outline today and then uh yeah first and foremost Aaron welcome to the podcast tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh I am Aaron Muller I uh, live in Columbus Nebraska so I am local to the scene um but yeah I started doing the Cobsmacked channel a year ago the last season um and I ran through all the way through the offseason, was doing some Husker history stuff, going back through all the coaches that we've had in the past to compare them to what Scott Frost was currently doing at the time. Um, but then work kind of picked up. I work at the post office, so we've been busy. Um, but just watching other channels during the beginning of the year, all the way up to the Oklahoma game, just watching so many channels get hyped about the season and stuff, I jumped back into it. So here we are. Here I am. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Sorry, boys. You're good. Oh, it's fine. I went to move my camera and I punched a button and the camera didn't like the button I punched. So here I am. Thanks for uh, making it work, Scott. Appreciate it. Yes. I am yes. your other host, uh, Ken, in case <laughs> nobody knows that by the name tape down there. But anyway, <laughs> yes, Aaron, um, welcome real aboard, quick, dude. Real quick, Dad. Your microphone is currently uh, not Ooh, your camera, microphone. Isn't it? Yep, yep. Um, still sounds good though for a camera microphone. Sounds fantastic. You just sound about 12 feet away, which is okay, but it's still good sound. Um, all right, Aaron. So, uh, let's see, let's just ask a question that I really like to ask Husker fans. Um, and me and my dad, we talk about it quite often, but, uh, what made you a Husker fan? Um, being born in Nebraska at any time during the nineties, <laughs> I was born in 91, so you can just grow up and everything's red. You were, I, I had no opposition to it. You know, everybody's wearing the uh, vintage Husker jerseys and stuff. So um, I didn't really get into football, though, until high school when I started playing it. So, you know, once you start understanding a game from a player perspective, it gives you a lot more insight to it. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just kind of born into the system. Awesome. What position did you play or positions? So I played uh, acts. Okay, back up a little bit. We moved to Iowa halfway through middle school, which was hell because I'm a Nebraska fan in Iowa. So um, I played fullback in middle school. Then once high school rolled around, I was a defensive end and a tight end on offense. 
Defensive end and a tight end on offense. So you were probably what six foot four, six foot three. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. I was short. I was six uh, foot. I'm five eleven technically, but uh, I like to say six foot. But five eleven, and I, in high school, I was like 200, 205. All right. Well, there you go. Awesome. So, do you even remember? Uh, did you watch the two thousand one national championship game? I at did all? actually. Yes. Oh, you did. Yep. Okay. Yes, I was 11. <laughs> okay. Well, I was born in 94, so it was just out of my cognitive memory. Like, I don't remember. Right. I don't remember it at all. Right. Um, so, well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Welcome aboard. We are so happy to have you here today, and especially yeah. going over something that, like I said in, in our family group text yesterday and to a bunch of my friends when I went over to their house to watch the game, when the game was over, I was like, I don't know how to react when we win. Like, I don't <laughs> like I, it's so it's so foreign. Like, of course, we won against North Dakota, but that was that should have been expected. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, we won the game. But this was a game mm-hmm. that I did not have us predicting to win. So when right. we did pull it off and in such a way where we had a second half shutout, which just going down the line of expectations, they definitely exceeded my expectations. And I was very happy about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to have you here um, to talk about a win. So uh, yeah, Dan. yeah, dude. Uh, well, I just got one more question for you, for you, Aaron, before we go into the Indiana game. Um, what made you want to start a podcast? I know we were talking before we went live that you started this last year, which is when Scott and I started our podcast. So you share with us the very special kind of hell that both of our podcasts have been through. So. Mm-hmm. What was it that got you thinking, ah, what the hell? I'm just going to grab a GoPro and a microphone and I'm going to start a podcast on YouTube. What led to that? Um, So uh, I kind of mentioned why I jumped back in this season was because there was a lot of like negative buildup. Even though there was hype around the program, there was a lot of negativity once the season actually started. Um, Kind of what happened previous years, which everybody has, you know, a perfectly good right to be upset with how the program is. But I feel like you have to balance that out with some constructive criticism. Um, And I like numbers. So a lot of this was more for me to be able to dive in and look at stats because I I like numbers. So that's kind of how that goes. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. So you like to play with it, look at numbers and talk about them. So that's awesome. That's kind of what we do. We don't look a lot at near as many numbers as you do because you went extremely in depth in, in your Indiana preview. And I appreciated that. Uh, we didn't because, well, we didn't do an Indiana preview, did we, Scott? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we just did the, the Husker uh, podcast appreciation week shows last week with Husker army podcast and a um, couple of guys from what uh, church of the corn and yeah. then um, Redcast Rob from the Go Big Redcast. So that was awesome. That was a lot of fun talking about the season so far and hopefully big picture what it means for the Huskers in the future. So if you haven't heard those shows or seen those shows, you can find uh, the collab that we did with Husker Army on Husker Army Podcast at YouTube, as well as go to Gen Red Pod on YouTube to find the um, second part of that, which was an hour and a half open forum 
hanging out, talking with uh, those guys, as well as Kenny Cheatham, former Husker wide receivers on the Husker pod, uh, Army podcast. And he had a lot of really good insight into what it means to be a Husker and what it looks like going forward if the uh, future Huskers that show up in the fold uh, will uh, do what he did back in the day. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, shoot. Uh, those are the times as a podcaster that you live for, right, Scott, to hang out with with people like that and uh, to listen to the perspective. Somebody who was there, who was in the trenches, got their ass kicked every single day in practice and still showed up on Saturdays. Um, I don't know about you, but that was that was so much fun for me. No, that was that was so fun for me, especially coming from my generation where I didn't get a witness at firsthand, but I definitely well one was raised with the foreknowledge of what built the greatest team in all of college football history um yeah just leave it at that and uh but then just wanting to know like is it something that can be transferred into modernity and absolutely, it absolutely can. Absolutely. You know, we've we've got Alabamas, we've got Clemsons, we've got you know, there's a there's a little bit of hubbub in USC again. You know, there's there's all of these these dynasties that have fallen that you know that have risen and fallen and risen and fallen, and there's no reason to think that Nebraska can't find its way back into terms of success. It's just going to take a lot of minor details that all compile together to create a collective success which who knows sure. who knows if that's in our cards in the future but what we can look at for sure is on a game-to-game -game basis and what do you say we uh we roll into this indiana recap yep Sounds absolutely good. that's absolutely a good thing to do um i don't know i've just got some statistical comparisons i just looked at some of the main statistics for the game um Nebraska had 22 first downs compared to Indiana's 14. Uh, they were two of 15 on third down. I couldn't believe it when I read that stat earlier today. I was like, I thought they did a little better than that, but apparently not. We were seven of 16, so we we're just below 50%, which isn't a bad number. 385 total yards, not great. 290 for them, still not bad for the defense comparative to what we've done so far this year. <laughs> Passing, we were 18 of 27, which is what, 66% clip? And um, they were 22 of 44, which is 50%. 270 yards passing for Nebraska. 223 for Indiana. We had one interception for Nebraska with two TDs by Casey Thompson and one interception and one touchdown for Indiana. The rushing... Uh, we had 51 attempts, which I was kind of surprised we had that many. Um, of course, 32 of them went to Anthony Grant, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, 23 rushing attempts by Indiana for 67 yards. We had 115. I think it was like a 2.8-yard average or something like that, which isn't great. But we scored more than they did. That's what matters. For two touchdowns, they had one touchdown. We had a total of 78 plays for Nebraska. We limited them to 67 after last week when they got blown out by Cincinnati and still managed to get 104 plays in. I'm not sure how that's possible, but 
is what it is. We held him to 67. Um, penalties was weird, man. 23 penalties in a game. And I thought for a second there at the end of the game, I was like, well, Nebraska had to have like 20 of them because <laughs> it just seemed like every time I turned around, they were throwing a flag on us, but it wasn't. It was 12 for us for 111 and 11 for 92 for them. So, you know, there was a guy sitting behind me who was so pissed off at one of the calls against us that he was like, come on, Stripes, it's not about you. It's about the kids playing on the field. Stop making it about you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, sit down, fireball guy. You don't need to be getting that pissed off about a couple of flags. But um, anyway, we had two turnovers. They had one. Uh, we dominated the time of possession at just about 35 minutes, and they had just right at 24 and some change. So looking at all those stats, I don't know what you guys have written down as far as uh, the production on the offense and the defense, but let's just take an overall look at the game and and those stats. And, and Aaron, we'll start with you. Overall, what did you think of the game? Um, well, aside from the penalties, I actually Googled it halfway through because I was like, we are on pace to break some records here, which they did say during the game that we have the uh, most penalties in a Big Ten game this year. Um, we are far from the record for the college. It's like 42 in a game, which I don't know how you even finish a game when that happens. But um, aside from the penalties, which I thought some of them like um, Corcoran got thrown out, obviously, for one, I thought that was a little aggressive on that penalty. But um, I thought the offense struggled quite a bit the first three quarters. Uh, specifically, yeah. Casey Thompson, he once again like seemed like for some reason he is not taking off and running when he has a lane to do so. And I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why he is doing that. Why is he holding onto the ball? Um, because he has shown that he is able to take off. And I don't know if he's nursing an injury that he's just not talking about or sure. if he's trying to show off that arm because he does say he wants to get into the NFL. So um I'm not sure exactly what's causing that, but it's it's causing some issues. And you've seen Whipple kind of rip into him on the sideline during the game about that. Kinda. <laughs> that yeah, looked pretty well, serious. <laughs> it seemed I mean, it seemed serious enough. He did pull him for the next series, which was, yeah. you know, kind of backfired. Disastrous. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, but the fourth quarter, I mean, both offense and defense, that second half kind of played out a little differently. In the fourth quarter specifically, Casey played lights out. So um opposite of what you're used to when your quarterback's struggling all game is the end of the game, he succeeds. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, it was fun to watch. It was an exciting game to watch. Yeah, it was a roller coaster ride for sure, Scott. What what did you think as you were watching it? Yeah, I I felt like so I I struggled. I tried just googling it. Now I meant to write down the referee's name, the official. Um, I can't remember what his name was, but um, we've seen him before. Um, that refing crew yeah. specifically are very very stingy and will call everything, Anything. but not everything because I, it, from my, from my viewpoint, it looked like Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis and Caleb Tanner were getting held almost every single play. Well, um, we've seen the so, stats. We've seen yes. the stats. Nebraska has never gotten the benefit of holding calls since they've been in the league. It's, yeah. it's atrocious. It's black and white obvious that they're not getting those calls. So, that's just the way those guys are going to call the game, no matter who the crew is. Doesn't matter. But this crew is especially bad. And I agree with you. I know. So, yeah, I, I recognize. 
I, I recognized right away because I saw the dude. I'm like, oh, God, it's these Shit, guys here again. We go. <laughs> and and then, yeah, then I heard the name, which I can't now remember, but it's very easy to remember once they say the official's name. And so I just I knew that we weren't necessarily going to get a fair shake, but um, we did. I feel like we did, because once the penalties were evened out at 12 and 11 calls <laughs> per team, it was like, OK, whatever. Um but damn, there were some, there were just some things that I did look at and I was like, yeah, yeah, we did that. That, that was definitely a penalty. And, and what I saw that meaning was that there were some come to Jesus moments from our players that, mm-hmm. that they needed to make mistakes that tr- instead of trying to play mistake free football, go out there and learn from your damn mistakes, go do right. them at a hundred miles per hour and then you can reevaluate next week. You know, you can, you can, you can, I mean, there's no excuse for punching a dude in the face, but I'm sure Turner Corcoran is uh, going to definitely learn from that. It's going to run some steps, bro. Oh yeah, <laughs> He's going to run a lot of steps. <laughs> yes. That's the one contention I have though. Like, have you seen the replays from that? Yeah. It didn't look it, like he punched anybody. Right, he just shoved but, his head into the ground, but still. Mm-hmm. We've seen do linemen that. getting called for, everything look at Jurgens last year he got called multiple times for being too aggressive even if it was you know an mm-hmm. offensive lineman playing to the end of the whistle but um yeah i don't I, there was some plays and i and there were some on the indiana side too that one where he um got called for pushing off i think i think that was a little aggressive too but like you said the mm-hmm. crew crew as a whole and the big Ten's kind of been a laughing stock for a while now about how we officiate our games but no doubt yeah, now it's just like it. that's like the 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 thing that elephant in the room to just kind of get out of the way. But um, no, overall thoughts are our offense looked serviceable. You know, there were some ups and there were some downs. Um, like you had stated, you know, Casey got benched and then we put Chuba Purdy in the game and he made a catastrophic mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into that. It it was just, it was unfortunate. It was an unfortunate series of events that led to Casey coming back immediately. And then, yeah, like you said, playing a pretty dang good second half, uh, connecting with guys and not to mention the fact that our receivers made plays happen. Um, yeah, were there a few drop balls here and there? Yeah, sure. Um, they, were there perfectly placed balls every single time not really no um but guys made plays when it was when it was needed um and goodness gracious talk about a highlight reel there was just so many like by the fingertip catches Mm -hmm. on the ground from trey palmer and from uh from marcus washington it was just it was just crazy i i can't remember the last time that i've seen a collective wide receiver group that when the ball is thrown their way, I, 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 I expect them to make something happen with it. Um, it's, it's been a while. I mean, we had Stanley Morgan, but that was kind of a solo performance. You know, we had, um, crap. I am just blanking on his name. He transferred to TCU. Um, that wide receiver short guy, um, TCU or Kentucky TCU TCU. You know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, J.D. Spielman. Yeah, J.D. Spielman. Yeah. <laughs> JD we had Spielman. a J.D. Spielman. Uh, don't mind me. 
And same thing, same thing, Wandale. But um, Kentucky and leads the SEC in receiving yards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that As guy. a short um, dude. Yeah. Slot <laughs> receiver, figure. like he was supposed to be, not a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then just like I said, kind of at the beginning of the podcast, was I expecting our defense to play a great game? No. No, I wasn't expecting them to play a great game. Um, or I want to say they played a great game. They played a good game. They they played with tenacity, with aggression, with mm-hmm. the you know the the forbidden statement. They played without a fear of failure. They were mm-hmm. like, we're just going to go out there and we're just going to play lights out. We're going to run at 100 miles per hour, and if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make it at 100 miles an hour, and I don't give a crap. Um, right. And so that was really exciting to see. And then God, thank you so much. For a special teams touchdown, a <laughs> yeah, blocked punt, first time since two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. Like there were so many, like I, I wouldn't say like first, but <laughs> things that we just haven't seen in a while, and things that we especially haven't seen this season. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. our defense to look the way it did. Um, right. So, props to Bill Bush. He mm-hmm. got into their guys. And, and spoke some life into them in some way. Now, granted, does Indiana have an outstanding offense? No. Did they were down two of their their playmakers? And was Indiana even like? I mean, they're probably you know bottom four teams in the conference right now. Mm-hmm. But it's still the Big Ten. They're still a competitive team. They were obviously jawing at us and, and trying to get in our heads on the field. I could see lots and lots of lots and lots of uh, explicitives um, that they were. Yeah, so did I. That they were going <laughs> back and forth. Um, and I mean, last time we played Indiana, they came they, in they here and us. won. They came in here and won. Yep. So we did. We and did they had a lot of bulletin of board material to work with too, because of a former coach talking. Talking smack on Hale Varsity Radio back in on Tuesday, I think it was. But that's what Kaz does. You know, Mm -hmm. Coach Kaczynski, he just doesn't he doesn't have a filter. (laughs) Right. And that's what I love that guy for. He has said so many things that could have been bulletin board material. They just they just cherry picked it this week for whatever reason. (laughs) And Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. It is what it it is. What it is. It is what it is. We won the game. I look back at it. I was there sitting in the stadium watching that roller coaster ride. You had that first quarter where we go right down the doggone field in our first um, series and we scored. I thought, oh, here we go. This is a 45 to 52 point game because we just go. And then I checked myself and I said, yeah, but we've done that in damn near every game this year except Georgia Southern, I think was the only game we did not score on our first drive. And then I watched the next six drives where we didn't score or seven or whatever it was. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are we doing this again? But that's what we do. But the difference was, did you guys watch on TV? I know for me, watching in the stadium, there was at least 70% of the plays on defense where whoever was in at defensive back was playing on their receiver, they were not backed off the line of the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. They were yes. right there. So you're going to beat me or you're not. That was kind of the attitude Bill Bush instilled into that defensive backfield, and I appreciated that. I think Travis Fisher 
is probably a better coach than Eric Shenander let him be. Maybe that's a hot take that most people would look at and go, well, yeah, of course, because I was two weeks ago, I was like, I'm not sure Eric Fisher's all that great because why the hell is he bringing transfers in here if he's so good at developing dudes? Well, maybe Shenander was not letting him let his guys play like he wanted, like uh, he wanted to have them play. So uh, that was really good to see. It really was. There was a bunch of contested passes. There was dudes that, yeah, they got some flags. Uh, but overall, that's because they were being aggressive, not being out of position and just knocking the dog shit out of somebody because they were out of position. Right? right. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. So that was my overall view. My overall view was offense couldn't figure it out for most of the game, but then they blew up in the second quarter and then they didn't do shit in the third quarter and they blew up in the fourth quarter, but the defense said, no, um, what Eric Shenander couldn't do for the most part in four and a half years, Bill Bush did in one half. And that was make an adjustment to make sure that Indiana couldn't score in the second half. Holy shit. And hallelujah. I am so happy. I don't know if that means much going into Rutgers and then Purdue the next week, who just beat Minnesota in Minnesota, but at least it gives us a little bit of hope. Wisconsin. It's going to be, it's, it's such a, it's, it's so cannibalistic right now. Our, our West, (laughs) our Western division. And I was going to say the way that I see our defense working right now, Mm -hmm. it looks like to me that one, they have nothing to lose. And two, it's like go balls out. you, yep. you got like they, they, they need to get their reps in somehow. They've only got so many practices where they can actually tackle. They've only got so many, so many hours that they can sit and, and practice schemes. It's like we, we're one in three going into this game. And the, as far yeah. as the Husker fan base mm-hmm. is concerned, you know, like, are you gonna? Are you competing for the West? You know, going into this game, absolutely not. So it's like you might as well do exactly what you want to do scheme wise on the defense right. in game. There's no need to be conservative. There's no need to play play soft zone coverage. Just play exactly how you want to play and let the mistakes. You know, let them learn from their damn mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I mean, I, I got I, from from what I can see there weren't very many mistakes that I could look at that looked fundamentally concerning. Like the, what I saw, what I saw previously was very fundamentally concerning, but Mm -hmm. when they were playing, like you said, they were playing up on the receivers. They were playing aggressive. They were, they were blitzing. They were doing all these things from that fundamental standpoint. They looked fine. With the exception about five plays, maybe six plays for the the entire game, the defense had their feet set within five to ten seconds before Indiana snapped the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that says something. They weren't confused, but for maybe five or six plays um, during the game, and I thought that that was uh, important, really important, and that's going to be really important with the short week coming up going into Rutgers. But before we get to that game, why don't we jump into our game game breaker and game wrecker of the week? 
because damn it, we won a game. So we might as well do this, but I couldn't pick just one. So the three of us are going to pick um, from three players in on offense and defense on offense. I've got the game record. My number one game record is obviously Anthony Grant granted. He didn't break off a long run. He was so close so many times. But damn, that Indiana run defense is pretty flipping good. They showed that last week against Cincinnati when I think they held him to, what, 40 yards in the second half last week. So <clears throat> Anthony got 32 attempts for 136 yards for 4.3 yards per carry. He did not have a touchdown, but when it was important at the end of the game, he made sure we got a few first downs. Number two, I have Trey Palmer, which for me is my game breaker. I'm just going to throw that out there. Eight receptions, 157 yards, that 71-yard touchdown where he ran up there, uh, just curved it back just a little bit to catch the pass that Casey threw and just outrun that DB was a thing of beauty. Uh, that was coming right at me in that end zone. It was so beautiful to watch because I knew it was going to happen after Casey let the ball go. Uh, he had one touchdown, obviously, the 71-yarder, and 19.6 yards per catch. <laughs> That's impacting a game. And then Casey Thompson, of course, is the third one for 18 for 27 for 270 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception. He had six attempts rushing the ball. Why the hell they count sacks as a rushing attempt? I'll never fucking know yeah. ever, but he has minus 32 yards because of sacks, but he did get a rushing touchdown at the end of the game. So that was good. Which one of those three guys? My guy is Trey Palmer. Which one of those three guys do you guys pick? We'll start with you, Aaron. I think you got to go with Trey Palmer just because I don't think I don't think you win the game without him in there. And there was a lot of times where he'd make a big play and then you've seen him on the sideline again. And that was driving me a little crazy, but I, I I don't think you win the game without Trey Palmer. And it wasn't just that big 71 yard touchdown run or pass. He he had a lot of, a lot. He was just consistent. He missed, he missed one pass. He dropped one pass out of the nine Mm -hmm. targets he had. And he's been that way since he got here. He's just, like he said, I came here to make plays. So that's what I'm going to do. So um, he's one guy that you can count on to be consistent. Anthony Grant, like you mentioned, he had, uh, I, I said he was on a spin cycle last night. It seems like he was spinning constantly. There was one run where he spent, he spun yeah. like five times. Um, it was crazy. and he's so close to busting him off. If he could just get a little more assistance from the offensive line. Um, that is my biggest gripe on offenses anywhere is the offensive line. But if he can get yeah, a little help, he's going to bust off sometime during the season. So um, I think Trey Palmer's in that same category, though. He's going to have, I, I said, one of these two guys is going to bust off this game. They both happen to kind of have big games. So um, I, I'm still well, kind of reserved. Both of them. Right, right, right. Yep. I'm reserved on the Casey Thompson thing. Like I mentioned, he he seemed to struggle three quarters. Um, so I don't think I can give him that one. But the fourth quarter, he went four for six and 93 yards and a touchdown. So and and one on the ground as well. So he had a good fourth quarter. He just, I think across the board, uh, kind of even going back to the defense playing a little better. I think it's a confidence thing. Like they were so bogged down with what was going on in the coaching staff with a bye week and kind of buying into the hype going into it. Um, they have more confidence in their abilities and in the team's ability as a whole. So everybody's kind of playing and guys, you don't expect to be out there making plays are making plays. So yeah, I think Anthony Grant and Trey Palmer are definitely kind of tied there for number one. 
Absolutely. I, dude, you couldn't have broke it down better, but I think Scott might have something to say, right? <laughs> no, no. Who's <laughs> your game breaker? Is it Trey or anybody else? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously Trey Palmer. I mean, I was actually kind of surprised when I saw that Anthony Grant had 136 yards because aside from a few, you know, like boinkers that he was, he was kind of pushing mm-hmm. on. I mean, he had, a, he had a few, a few, uh, I won't even call them explosive plays, a few serviceable plays. I didn't expect to see 136 yards out of that performance. It seemed like it was very, right. it was very on and off throughout the game. And, and like, uh, like Aaron said, it, it was crazy watching him in his agility with his spinning and his cutbacks and all of that. It, it just surprised me that he had 136. I would have assumed he had like just under a hundred. Um, so 136, that's good. That's, I mean, shoot, like we haven't had a consistent hundred yard back mm-hmm. since divine right. Zigbo. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to take that for, for what it's worth and give it some salt. And With this that. offensive yeah, line. Holy shit. Yeah. Hallelujah. He's, he's doing a job. Yeah. Yes, really he's is. doing, he's being a dog, uh, but you just can't, you can't, overstate how much of a of a game changer that that Trey Palmer has been thus far for us this season and especially in this game he is an athletic dude he is very athletic. do you think he hits a, do you think he hits a thousand yards this year I think he will I, I do I really I, think he I will think I think I it's think it, possible. I, I know that we're going to be playing a lot better defenses, a lot better secondaries coming up here in some of these games, especially the Iowas and the Michigans, and uh, mm-hmm. even I, I mean, I'm, I yeah, we've got we've got some we've got some 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 teams that we're going to potentially struggle with. Um, what were you going to say, Aaron? It looked like you had something. Oh no, I was just going to mention again, like. A lot of Anthony Grant's yards come after contact. We mentioned the offensive line isn't really helping him, so he's getting hit yeah. you know, at the line or behind the line every single time, and he's still, like you mentioned, like I was surprised to see the yards because he, he was getting hit all the time, and he just made something out of nothing <clears throat> repeatedly. And it's it's nice to have a back you can hand the ball off to and kind of consistently rely on him to get the four yards so you're not going third and ten every time. So um, it's just kind of building on to what you said. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been absolutely. It's been it's been so nuts to watch him. I wasn't expecting Anthony Grant to be as as proficient as he has been, especially with how abysmal our offensive line has been throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but hands down, it goes to Trey Palmer, his athleticism that that those fingertip catches, and especially the, I mean, that breakaway speedy. He basically made yeah. a fool out of that out of that line uh the defensive back that he ran down that that center and he, there was he was <laughs> 10 yards away from the guy mm-hmm. and you know Casey put it where it essentially needed to go but mm-hmm. um yeah I mean that touchdown you know that 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 put that put us up that was that was necessary um to put away the game and of course we, you know, Casey got that last touchdown and that was, that was also great. But I mean, Trey Palmer, Trey Palmer definitely wins the game breaker of the week for me. hundred percent. So we're in agreement. I shouldn't have even done the work to <laughs> put up the other two players. <laughs> yeah. Casey, yeah. Trey made Casey's it work. Got, it, it, Casey's mm-hmm. got some work to do. He's, he's, he's yeah. kind of what I expected to see. I didn't expect him to be like this out, you know, this breakout 
quarterback that is just going right. to like be something we haven't seen since or that we've seen, you know, we haven't seen uh, a crazy quarterback in well over a mm-hmm. decade. Um, and so I expected him to at least be okay, but yeah, it's, there's still a lot left to be desired from Casey. I hope he can. Yeah. Like, like Aaron said, like there's some things that he needs to wreck, like read and use his legs. Just, get out of those situations. There was a few times a where I saw the dudes. pocket collapsing around him yep. and there were split seconds that it's like, if, if you don't have guys open, you know that there's going to be a dude wrapped around you in half a second. So yep. you just need to, even if you're just getting back to the line of scrimmage, don't take that sack. Um, and well, you can't do away. that in the games upcoming because that the defenses we're playing here in the next six, eight weeks are going to be way better at getting to the quarterback than Indiana yep. is way he better. Figure out a way so to get he, rid of that ball or get yep. his legs moving or yeah, take some runs. And maybe he just didn't want to run a lot last night because he figured they could win and he needed to save that for the games when we really needed him to, I don't know, but um, let's take a look on the defensive side game wrecker. Of the week for the Indiana game, I've got three guys I picked out again. I would have normally just thrown Garrett Nelson out there because he had two sacks, which were his two tackles behind the line of scrimmage. He had a quarterback hurry and three tackles total, with three of them being solo. So, uh, but because, but I couldn't just say he's the game wrecker because Luke Reimer had that holy shit, hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody might not be getting off the turf for the next 10 minutes tackle and an interception. Um, And he defended a couple of passes, too, on top of that. And then you had Nick Henrich with five tackles, two solo, and one quarterback hurry. For me, it's Garrett Nelson. Two sacks uh, when it was really important to get him. He got two of them. And uh, quarterback hurry, tackle for loss, two tackles for loss. Garrett Nelson for me. What about you guys? Starting with you, Scott. I'll come to you, Aaron. Uh, I'm just going to say it outright. I think Luke Reimer earns earns that ticket for me. Um, yeah, overall, looking at the defense, there were so many individual performances uh, right. uh, evenly distributed. And so I think the, the, one, the one thing, the one deciding factor that makes me choose Luke Reimer is is that amazing tackle he got on the guy where the ball popped out and and just all the stars aligned and he he picked that ball off. Uh, and did it lead to anything? Absolutely not, because then Casey Thompson went turned right around and threw an interception. Um, so it was kind of kind of useless, but then our defense stepped up and and you know made them punt or whatever and um right yeah so it, did it really change the overall outlook of the game no but that specific performance that was so Stop aggressive so aggressive and yep. textbook tackling he tucked his head down just far enough to where it didn't ever make contact with the dude's helmet and just lit him up mm-hmm. turned him into a bowl of mashed potatoes it was great oh it was um, so beautiful so just just because of that one individual highlight, if I were to look at the the defense as a whole, what was the one play that stood out? Well, it was obviously that one. So that one. there you go, yeah. there it is. And then yeah, he had he had two pass mm-hmm. deflections and uh didn't it? No, no, I'm thinking of Isaac Gifford. He had 
Isaac Gifford and Garrett Nelson had the two tackles for losses apiece. Um, but yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with Luke Reimer. What a guy. Good for him. I, Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, uh, Aaron? What do you think? Yeah, I think across the board, you could kind of praise the defense for actually tackling this week. Um, yes. We had, <laughs> you know, we were averaging so 14 Bill Bush missed is your tackles. Game record. Right. Maybe, I mean, yeah, that would make total sense. Um, they were averaging 14 missed tackles a game going into this game. And we had five, we had six this game. So uh, across uh, the whole team. So you have a lot of individual performances, like you mentioned too. And a lot of the secondary doesn't get as much praise if they're playing a good game. You had true freshman Malcolm Hartzog out there and he got targeted six times and he only allowed one catch out of all those. And he had two of those where the guy had the ball and he ripped it out of his hand. So um, you've seen that a lot from a lot of different guys getting in there, getting the ball out. Um, so I think a lot of those individual performances kind of stack up to having these individual guys yeah. have good stat lines. Garrett Nelson had the sack, but Oshan Mathis was busting through there. Ty Robinson was busting through there, just They're causing s- right, right, right. Yeah. Oshan Mathis nearly every play. So um, you have guys disrupting the line, and so that makes everybody play well. But Luke Reimer has the one play you can look at and say like that that was a momentum you know play on the game. Although we gave it right back right after that, but. You know, to have the awareness to even grab that, right. To even have the awareness to grab that. Like he hit the guy. Yeah. But he's laying there with the ball in his face. And he's like, if that touches the ground, you know, it's an incomplete pass essentially because he didn't retain it. So um, he came down with it. And so that's, Mm -hmm. you got to give him props there. Absolutely. So let's take a look at the ratings for the game. Um, On a scale of one to 10 offense. For the O-line, Scott, where do you rate the O-line? So my logic behind giving this rating is just because I saw improvement. There was, was there pressure on, on Casey Thompson? Yes. But when I was watching the game and I watched it twice, there were, there was, there, there seemed to be an increased time that he had to make decisions. Um, Were our guys getting open all the time? No. Um, but just from our passing offensive line improvement, there's, there's, there's a noticeable improvement there are like we've discussed already so far is, is our run offensive line. Are they, are they making holes for our guys? Absolutely not. Um, but I see a tangible improvement as of right now. Um, was it just anecdotal to this game? I don't know. Um, but I gave it a 6.75. I wasn't willing to give it a seven. And, uh, in retrospect, maybe I should have gone a little bit lower, maybe like six and a quarter or six or something like that. Um, but as of, as of right now, you know, let's just say there's an improvement on our offensive line just from this game. And so I gave them a 7.5 or 6.75. My bad. Okay, I got you. I got you. Um, Aaron, where do you land on the offensive line? Okay, so as mentioned, I'm very critical of offensive lines because I believe that the entire offense goes through the line. Um, If they're not playing well, the rest of the team will not play well either. Um, They did play conservatively. Like you could say they played better than the previous four games. The right side still seems to be struggling though. And that's the side that Casey was getting hit from. You didn't see so many blindside hits this week. He's seen it coming, which I think that played into his mentality, but offensive line, they even pulled guys off the line and tried bringing somebody else in, but nobody 
individually played any better. I looked, they did not get credited with, with, with any of the three sacks that Casey took. So I don't know if that was off of blitzes. They don't count that towards the offensive line because they have, they're getting Ooh. overloaded essentially. Um, but he was getting blitzed over 50% of the time. So picking those up was already a hard task to do. So they're doing better than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but that certainly does affect Casey Thompson when he's getting blitzed that much. And the offensive line did well with what they could. And I think you also have to look at the tight ends along with the offensive line when they're blocking pass plays like that. So I gave him a six. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to you, Aaron. I didn't score him as high as Scott did. Uh, I scored him at a six and a quarter uh, because I thought they played at a level of a seven in the second half, but I, I think they played at about a 5.75 in the first half. So to me, the math kind of works out to about six and a quarter because when it mattered in the fourth quarter, they opened just enough holes for Anthony Grant to uh, run through to amass a six minute drive to go up by 14 um, with five minutes to go. So um, six and a quarter for me, which <laughs> is better than I would have originally thought they played in the game with, you know, Casey getting sacked as much as he did. So uh, let's take a look at the running backs and we'll start with you, Scott. Um, what do you think uh, the guys that were running the football did? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Like I said, I was surprised with the fact that, you know, Anthony Grant, you know, got 136 yards. Like that was actually surprising just based on the eye test. Um, as for all the other backs, I mean, Yant got two carries for three yards and Irvin got six mm-hmm. carries for 21 yards. So the sole performance of the running backs room obviously goes to Anthony Grant. Um, didn't really see much else. I mean, gosh, it stinks that AJ Allen got, got injured. I, I would have loved to see what he would have done in this game. Um, yeah, I gave it a seven. I gave it a seven. Anthony Grant's looking good. I would love to see what he would look like with a good offensive line, um, creating holes for him. Um, and But there were just a few, you know, read decisions that were kind of questionable throughout the game where you could kind of see a little bit of a lane open up and he ran into his own guys a few times. Um, granted, no pun intended, you know, I – I wasn't necessarily looking super deep into it. You know, maybe, maybe there was something from his angle that, that he saw that I didn't see. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but it looked good. It looked good. You know, it was about a B, B plus. So, you know, it turns out to be like a seven, seven out of seven out of 10. Let's, let's go with that. I'm, I'm close to you. I've got a seven and a half because I thought, um, there were some runs that Grant did uh, early in the game, especially where with the six spin moves or whatever the hell it was. I don't know if he and Gabe Irvin are roommates or some kind of shit, but I didn't see, you know, Anthony doing that many spin moves. And there were some times that he was really, really hard to bring down. Uh, I would have given it a higher score if I could have given the offensive line a higher score, but they didn't exactly block well enough in the, in the run game to give the running backs a better score. So I gave him a seven and a half. How about you, Aaron? Uh, I gave him a seven and a half as well. So Anthony and Grant and Gabe Irvin actually come from the same high school. So right. 
Grant was ahead of Irvin, so I think that that's funny that he came in and kind of took the starting spot back. But um, right. I think, again, having somebody you can consistently rely on to get short yardage on those first two downs right. is going to be vital to the rest of the season. Right. Um, and he played about as well as you can expect with the offensive line. Uh, and, yeah, like they brought Yant in on the short you know, goal line that he had. He only had the two carries, but um, – I, I don't have a problem with him relying heavily on Grant. If he's willing to eat, feed him. So uh, Gabe yep. Urban has potential, but I think that without an offensive line, you can't really rely on a young guy without, you know, the power to mm-hmm. run through the breaks like that. So uh, seven and a half seems uh, pretty reasonable. Sounds good. How about tight ends and receivers? We'll start with you, Aaron. I didn't, uh, I didn't have any, like I, nothing really popped out to me as far as how they played um, the tight ends wise. They they blocked well. You had Brewington doing his goal line blowups like he has been forever. Um, you had a couple passes to Volkolek that, you know, he should have had the one that he dropped, but it was behind him. But as far right. as the receivers go, we mentioned earlier, like you have receivers that are making plays. You have a good core of receivers that you can rely on to make catches. Uh, Trey Palmer being, you know, the name played on that. But I gave him seven and a half. I didn't think that there was no negative that they brought to the team this week and they performed really well. All right, Scott. Yeah, I thought they, I thought they performed pretty dang well. Um, yeah, there were a few drop passes. Um, they, they weren't necessarily getting open all the time. Thus, you know, Casey's having to sit in the pocket for too long. Um, Trey Palmer mm-hmm. looked good. Oliver Martin, good for him for getting another touchdown. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, there were a few, you know, Alante Brown, even though he got one reception, I mean, still was, it was, it was a moment we needed him to do that. I think it was a third down. Um, if I remember correctly, um, it, yeah. I, there's still a lot left to be desired in that room, but it, like I said earlier, it seems like we've got ballers across the board on uh, mm-hmm. in our wide receiver room. They just got to find more ways to get open, and God, we need our offensive line to just give Casey a little bit more time. Two more um, seconds. <laughs> Two more seconds yeah. makes yep. a big difference. Yep. Not even one. Give me one second. <laughs> give me three quarters of a second. Um yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those one of those things that, you know, I will I will look at it like this. All of these ratings thus far on our offense, almost all of them are substantially improved yeah. just across the board in since. comparison to the to, to to all the mm. games previously. The only room mm. that I don't think has changed all that much, it stayed right about the same is our running backs room with Anthony Grant. So um, I gave it a 7.5. I gave it a 7.5 just because it was good. It was good. And I'll just leave it at that. I gave it the same score, 7.5. Um, I think <clears throat> I think Casey could have put the ball on some guys a little bit better than he did, and I would have given him a little bit better rating. But uh, 7.5 I think is absolutely fair. What do you think, Aaron? Uh yeah, 7.5 is what I had on the tight ends and receivers. All righty. Let's move on to quarterback. Scott, let's start with you. You've got, well, the basically the same score as Aaron does. So I'll let you guys tell us why you thought the uh, quarterbacks were worth a six. Yeah, so I gave it a six. Um, and my reasoning for that is 
because like I've said earlier, there's still a lot left to be desired with Casey Thompson. Um, he's an okay quarterback looking at his quarterback rating throughout this whole season. Um, I think his best quarterback rating, ah, crap. I can't even remember. I should have written it down. It's, (laughs) it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great. Um, he still has a, you know, a pretty similar touchdown to interception ratio that we saw with, uh, Adrian Martinez throughout his stint here. Um, and yeah, there's just some things, some decision-making that he needs to work on where you either got to throw the ball away or you've got to get your legs moving and get out of that pocket as soon as possible. Um, and that's obviously the reason why they benched him and turned into a catastrophe. But um, yeah, there's still there's still some things. He, he threw a few balls, you know, <sighs> that weren't really catchable. Our guys made catches out of them. Um, a few were dropped for good reason because they were thrown behind the, behind the receivers or the tight ends. Um, so yeah, there's still a lot left to be desired. Was it terrible? No. Was it good? No, it was, it was average. It was, it was maybe a little bit above average, but yeah. So I gave it a six. Yeah, I kind of I gave it a six as well. Just it directly ties into the offensive line. Like you mentioned, every other position on that offense is affected by the line. I give the line a six. I gave Casey Thompson a six as well. He didn't he didn't mm-hmm. perform better like Adrian. A lot of times made the offensive line look better because he was able to scramble out and get yards. Um, Casey has shown the ability to do that, but he for some whatever reason, he's not he's not utilizing his legs as well. Right. Um Right. I just, I, you can't, he did get benched and you can't really blame Chubba Purdy. He kind of got thrown into a situation right near the goal line. He probably should not have gotten put in, but yep. uh, Casey Thompson's going to improve if the offensive line can improve as well. So I, I can't give him any higher than a six. I, I have confidence that he will do better. He's shown the ability to play ball. He's a lot more accurate. Uh, I don't know. You said you were in the stadium. I don't know how much the wind felt on the seats, but down on the field, you could see it on the ref's jerseys and stuff. The wind was whipping pretty good at some point. So I don't know how much of that had to play into it, but he's got to do better with what he has and he doesn't have much as far as that in front of him. So I think the wind was way more of a factor on the field than it was in the, in the stadium. I didn't even have to put my hoodie on until about halfway into the fourth quarter. So, um, but I gave him, I gave the quarterbacks a six and a half. I would have given him a six, just like you guys did, if not for that absolutely picture-perfect throw. (laughs) Drop the dime right into Trey Palmer's arms for that 71-yard touchdown that literally ended the game. You know, when you look at it, and to me, that's worth at least 0.5, so I gave him a 6.5. So... Our total ratings on the offense, Scott has uh, Nebraska rated at 6.81. I have them at 6.93, and Aaron has them at 6.75. Because, you know, that's what guests do. They always rate everything lower than we do. So congratulations, Aaron. You're just doing what everybody else has done. I'm supposed to be the positive one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm usually, I'm usually more well, of dude. the, I'm usually more of the pessimist. So, well, so dude, I, you g- know. I gave, I gave the offensive line a little bit more credit in retrospect, but um, <laughs> can't. T- I don't want to retally those numbers, so I probably would have ended so. up right about where Aaron was. So, <laughs> well, you know, we both 
we all started our podcast last year. And I, I am always the eternal optimist just because I've seen what this team could do back in the 90s. And I'm always looking at everything this team is through those lenses. And I need to stop freaking doing that because it never yeah, works. <laughs> uh, but anyway, defensive ratings. Let's take a look at the defensive line. I'll start this. I've got this at a six and a half. Uh, I wanted to go higher. I really did. I thought Garrett played a good game. I thought um, Oshan played a decent game. I thought uh, with Ty Robinson getting in there and getting a sack when it was really important was good. <clears throat> and I thought watching the game later when I got home and I could see how aggressive they were on the line uh, should have given me a better better score, but I can't. I can't. There was some times that that running game kind of gashed us a little bit. So I went with a six and a half. Uh, Aaron, where are you at on on the defensive line? And put, where am I wrong? Because you rated a you rated it a half a point higher. Uh, it kind of goes back into how I said that every individual on the uh, defense seemed to play with a little more like heart this week, and uh, yeah. Bill Bush gets credit for that. But I, I don't think if you take away the uh, offensive holding that they were getting away with all game, I think you have a much better stat line than you had. Um, sure. Like I mentioned, O'Shawn Mathis looked like the high, highly ranked um, transfer that he was when he came in. He looked like he was able to get back there. He just couldn't get away from the, you know, arms that are holding him. Right. But um, I don't, I, I think aside from the inside, I think the inside could use a little more improvement, but I think those edge guys are certainly showing the ability and the confidence as it grows is just going to be more and more aggressive and be more free with how they play. And I think that's only going to get better. So I, I'm maybe that's an optimistic seven leaning towards the future, but uh, I put it at seven, seven, Scott, you got a 6.5 like the, like I do. What do you think? Okay. So yes, I've got it at a 6.5. Um, and my reasoning for that is I wanted, I, I actually thought about the same thing that you did, Aaron, where it was like, well, if they weren't holding us, it would look better in theory. Um, but I just, it's just theoretical. And in, and the other thing that I considered is that as far as I'm aware, I, once again, I, I was very short on time. I was taking care of some work issues before we started the podcast. So I had no time to sit down and do any outline. Um, so there was, there was a stat line I heard where it was like, I think like Nebraska has the worst offensive line in the big 10 statistically and Indiana is only like two spots behind us. Like they're there. They also have a bad, bad offensive line. So I, I would have loved to see a little bit more. Um, does it mean our defense, our defensive line mm -hmm. is, is worth a seven? It could. Um, so I, that's why I did a 6.5. I couldn't give them a six, but I couldn't give them a seven. So I went with like a 6.5 for the sake of like, yeah, there's still some things that I would like to see out of them, but, they did do better than what I have seen thus far this year. One, one stat All I'd right, like to ahead, throw in there, uh, just to justify it a little more. 16 of the 17 quarterback pressures came from the defensive line alone. Yep. There was no blitzes that they had to bring in, and that's not something we're used to. We're used to having to bring extra oh. pressure to get any kind of pressure on the quarterback. So the fact that our front guys were able to get back there more consistently this game just, again, shows improvement just off of a bye week. So, um I think that there's a reason to be optimistic there. So there, there. That's that's your eight. That's why you put the eight on eight out there. 
Oh, no, no. I was just going back to the defensive line on why that was a seven. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. There you go. I'm living in the past already. Um, how, how about your, your grade of the, the line uh, linebackers there, Aaron? I put them at an eight. So, again, um, it was a high high number. Uh, the, the duo there of Reimer and Henrich, uh, they did not miss a single tackle all game, which those two guys – Henrich was leading the team for the, through the first three games, even though he missed a game with missed tackles. So yeah. they they both didn't miss a single tackle last night. They both were in coverage, and Reimer played really well in coverage. He didn't allow a single reception on any of the four targets he had. Reimer did allow a catch on all five of his targets, but they were combined 28 yards. So even though he was letting guys get their hands on the ball, he was stopping them right where they caught it. So um, I think the linebackers specifically, and then you also have you know the nickel guys are in there too, I think everybody played lights out. Everybody was flying around with some speed that we're, we haven't seen this year at all. Um, and, and you see flashes of that when, when Reimer first came in and he looked like he was everywhere on the field at every play. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen a little bit more of that in this game, and I think that that's, that's worthy of an eight. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. I got, him at a, I got him at a seven. I would have put him at about a six and a half, if not for the interception. So that's why I put him at a seven. Uh, Scott, how about you? Yeah, I gave him a 6.75. I wasn't willing to quite give him a 7. Yes, there were some there were like like what Aaron was saying. Kind of convinced me to to maybe bring my score up a little bit there actually. So, props to you, Aaron. Um but when I wrote it down, my initial my initial thought was that with how how underserviced Indiana is on the offense for their weapons and for their, for their skill players. Um, I would have liked to see, and especially with their offensive line, they were not a great offense coming into this game. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more out of them. Um, yeah, there were some individual, like, like I said, I've, I've said this individual performances, um, but just across the board, I just, just, there's still a lot left to be desired on our, on our defense they have improved, yes, but I want to see them. I want to see what they look like against better competition throughout the rest of the season. And so, right. are they worth a seven? Maybe, um, but we'll see. We will see. Um, so I I put them at a six point seven five. Already moving on to defensive back. Let's take a look at how those guys performed. We know two of their top receivers were not in the game on Saturday. So that is part of the reason I gave our defensive backs a 6.5 because they didn't have to go out against the best that Indiana had to offer. But when all was said and done, they kind of did their job. So six and a half is just above a passing grade. And that's about all they're worth from me. How about you, Aaron? Uh, I gave them even lower than that. I went with a six. Um, (laughs) I, they, if if Indiana would have had a more accurate quarterback, there was multiple times where a guy Guys burned were one wide of def- open. Right. And so yep. if he hits them, the score is much different. Um, yep. Again, you had the true freshman out there, and he graded the highest in the secondary in his first career start. So that's not you know, something you want to see. You want to see your veteran guys out there. You want to see Buford out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you, you just yeah. want to see guys do better because they have been out there and they've had you know, they're supposed to be fast guys. They're supposed to be skilled guys and they're just not showing it. They did play that tighter coverage, like we mentioned earlier. So that kind of bumped it up. I might've even gone down to like a five, seven, five, 
um, on right. their rating, but but they did play tighter coverage, and that was one of the keys I had going into the game was that they need to not give up those easy first downs like they have been. So they get props for that, but it's still pretty low because if we play against a better offense, that's going to be more apparent. There you go. I I can understand your reasoning for sure. So our totals are <laughs> evil, uh, Scott. They're really evil. You've got a 6.66 for the defense. I rounded up to a 6.67 because I just can't have three sixes on anything that I do. And Aaron's got it at a seven, even though he rated the defensive backs lower than we did. So overall, seven. Somewhere in that six and a half to seven range is pretty good compared to the fact that Nebraska is the worst defense in the Big Ten, and they really held a fairly okay offense to well under their uh, average. So that's pretty cool. Um, And well, I was just going to say, and last time that you and I gave these ratings, because we didn't after the Georgia Southern, because there was so much going on with Scott Frost (laughs) getting fired. And the same thing with Oklahoma. There was so much going on. We just, it just didn't, it just was going to be a waste of time. Too much. We were more so wanting to talk about the coaches getting fired that specifically did. Um, Looking back at that, I gave our defense, I gave our defense overall a 5.6 rating during after the North Dakota game and you gave them a 6.3 and so overall we have jumped almost a whole point in our rating scale you being a little bit more optimistic um after that game specifically Mm -hmm. but I'm sure if we were to go with those ratings with the Georgia Southern game and the Oklahoma game it would have cruised around a five Mm -hmm. um maybe even it would have gone down about a four yeah for sure (laughs) <laughs> and so seeing these improvements around the six and a half and seven range out of a 10, one to yeah. 10 scale, that is, that is wonderful to see. After one by a week with a guy totally changing the way they play defense. And Other Lord knows we that, haven't, we haven't seen a bye week victory. And since yeah. what was it? 2017. Yeah. Frost had not won a game off a of bye week, but Mickey did. So um, let's take a look at the special teams ratings. Kicking and punting, um, which is weird to put those two together because, shit, the only thing Bleak Road had to do was kick extra points. <laughs> but there were some hiccups here and there with with uh, Bushini, but when we really needed, well, he had, what, three punts inside the 15 during the game, so it really was a field position game, and it, it really put Indiana behind the eight, eight balls. So I gave kicking and punting – a 7.5. Um, Aaron, how about you? I, I gave it an 8, and a lot of that might be more emotional coming off of the blocked punt recovery. So um, I, okay. I think Bushini did have a couple that he shanked pretty bad. But again, yeah, he had the three that he pinned back in their you know 15-yard line. So that that gives your defense more you know confidence to push forward and be more aggressive. Um, again, yeah, field goals, we didn't even have to worry about that, thank God. Like, previous years but uh returns (laughs) i I think i might you know now looking back on it i might lower that now that the emotions wore off but Mm -hmm. uh there was multiple times on the return um oh we're getting we're getting the next and maybe that's why it's lower but yeah i didn't think the kicking game was anything that it didn't hurt us and that's been a thing that's you know kind of plagued us for a while so i i'm at an optimistic eight again scott 
Yeah, I gave it a seven. I gave it a seven um, just because, like you had just said, um, there were a few shanks. There were a few shanks that were a little bit concerning, but I didn't think about the fact of the wind. I I was ignorant of the wind. I wasn't sure what it was like down on the field. Dad, you said you didn't have to put a sweatshirt on, but when I rewatched the game, yeah, it did look like a bunch of a bunch of shirts and and uniforms were getting blown in the wind a bit. So that might have affected it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was good. It was good. Kickoffs went out of the end zone. Um, our punts, you know, aside mm-hmm. from the few shanks, they were yeah down inside the fifteen. Um, so I gave it a seven. I gave it a seven for that reason. All right. So looking at the return units, Scott, go ahead. What'd you think of the kickoff and punt returns? So I gave it an eight an eight point five um, because I I actually sat there and had a brain fart when I was reading it because I was like, where do I get where do I place the the blocked punt returned for a touchdown and that would have to go to the return units because that was our punt return unit out there blocking that punt um so i gave it an 8.5 because of that reason and yes we fielded all of our punts which was great we you know that's something that has caused severe anxiety for me for the past few seasons we returned some punts trey palmer attempted to make some things happen was it a little bit kind of you know like you know, kind of showboaty a little bit. Yeah, kind of. I mean, standing there and and just kind of waiting for them to come to you and then thinking that you're going to get momentum down the field after that, you know, it just kind of seemed a little bit odd to me. But the, the, the effort, the actual attempt to return and field a punt and, and go and do something with it, we haven't seen in years. Um, so that was nice. So I gave it an 8.5. Yeah, at that. All right. Well, that's where I'm at too for 8.5 because I thought that was a pretty cool move that uh, Trey Palmer put on, <laughs> put on Indiana when he caught that punt and just kind of stood there and then took off running, suckered him in, if you will, and then just cut right up that sideline. Otherwise, I don't know if there was a whole lot of room for him to go. And I think he wanted to see what the coverage was going to do before he took off. So. I thought it was good. I thought uh, 8.5 is definitely a deserved um, number because, as you said, you know, that was a return unit that blocked that punt and returned it for a a touchdown. So that was worth at least a point for me. Otherwise, it would have been a 7.5 like you have, Aaron, because (laughs) why? Why a 7.5? Why? 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 uh, Tell me. Forgive me here. I'm used to lumping all of my special teams into one category. So I I I didn't consider I would flip those two. So kicking and punting would get the seven and a half return would get the eight. um, If the touchdown is going to the return unit, which (laughs) makes sense. But um, again, like, like the, the Trey Palmer, we had the four, um, we brought out four kicks that we have. Mm -hmm. When's the last time we brought out four punts or kicks of any kind? at all no idea um and we got 78 yards out of those that's that's 78 missing yards like they like to say that we never would have had otherwise Mm -hmm. and so you had some moments where trey palmer kind of like it almost like he freezes he has the speed to burn guys there was that that one that kind of went on the bottom of the screen i was watching on tv and he could have just burned off the left side and and i don't know maybe he was waiting for coverage you know to kind of develop so he could see where he was going to go but i think while he was thinking he wasn't moving so 
Um, that'll get better with time. They're they're being at least a little more confident in bringing the you know kicks out. So I think eight eight is reasonable as I'm flipping them now. So no, so your score ends up the same. Your overall <laughs> score ends up the same. And and I was gonna say that my reasoning for judging standing there and doing some juke moves without getting any momentum going for you in your favor is just based on any time I watch highlights of punt returns that that are taken back to the house, there's never you never see that. You never see a guy stand there and wait for something in the coverage to show him anything. They are they go. They just go. And you find your seams and you 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 make your little jump cuts as you're moving forward. I would right. I would actually be hard pressed to find a punt return highlight that is, you know, some Madden you know, or NCAA highlight, you know, just doing crazy stuff like that. So yeah, you know, like, like you said, Trey Palmer is going to need to find his groove. Um, And I think that that's going to come with, I I, I guarantee you, Bill Bush is going to, is going to see exactly what we saw. He's like, bro, you just need to go. Just (laughs) let your instincts kick in. Just let them kick in. You'll find your creases. You'll find your seams. Just go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the totals on special teams, you, Aaron, and Scott both have it rated at a 7.75 overall. I have it at an 8. So let's move on to the discussion questions that I'm pretty sure a lot of Husker Nation are asking themselves right now. Do you think anybody on that defense on Saturday earned their black shirt back or earned a black shirt that wasn't going to get a black shirt at the beginning of the year. For me, not yet. Not yet. I want to see what happens Friday night in Piscataway, New Jersey. How about you, Scott? I agree. I think that we need to see more than just one anecdotal example of improvement. Um, Was it a good game for the black shirts? Was it an improvement or was it a good game for the defense? Let's say. Um, And yeah, it, it was a good game, but I want to see it again. I want to see what they do against the Scarlet Knights and Piscataway. Um, mm-hmm. Were there were there potential guys that could earn black shirts? Sure, there were some light. There were some good performances individually, but I think I think it still needs to wait. All right, Aaron. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. You need to wait. Uh, my heart definitely wants to give you know some of those guys. Luke Reimer. Definitely deserves one. Yeah, in my mind, because of that hit, you just that, you look at that, and that's a black shirt kind of. Uh, it's a black shirt move. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, all that's kind of viewed through the skewed lens of actually getting a win in a close game. We've we've been through such a success drought that any kind of victory we cherish a little bit more. So I think I think it's a little early to hand those back out yet. They need to be more consistent mm-hmm. with it. Well, yep. for, through the lens of a guy like me that saw the '90s and saw Grant Wistrom drop like six hits like that. Every game, it seemed. Yeah, we need to uh, give it a little time for these guys to really earn what the black shirt uh, mentality actually is. Is it really too early after one win against Indiana uh, to want Mickey Joseph to be the head coach outright? I think it is. That's where I stand. I think he needs to keep auditioning. Now, you win next week in Piscataway. And you go to Purdue, and you think you've got a legit shot to win. I mean, they just beat Minnesota on their field. And you go in there and you play them close. Now, then there might be a discussion. 
But for right now, for me, not yet. Not yet. How about you, Aaron? I think it's yeah, same thing as the black shirts. It's um, emotional. You've seen the locker room video with all the guys kind of, you know, jumping around and Trev giving him the game ball. You you really hope for the guy. You really want the best for him. But at the beginning when he got, you know, the interim position, I said he's going to need to win at least five and get to a bowl game yep, to be considered seriously. And I think he, he understands that with the whole restructuring of his contract to be retained into the next, you know, administration. Um, I think. Even even he understands that. So it's going to take a lot more than one one win against a weak Indiana team to win the job. But this is a good step in that direction. Absolutely, Scott. What do you think? All right. So I'm I'm biased. Like I'm just going to get that out of the way. I my, I have an internal bias towards Mickey Joseph only because of the way that he conducts himself and only because mm-hmm. of his mentality and um, which his, is why he'll be retained no matter his, what happens. Just like the way that he conducts himself, like that is a leader. That is a guy Mm -hmm. that, I mean, are all locker room celebrations like the one that we saw look (laughs) exactly like that? Yes. Yes. Um, But if, if I'm looking at it just at face value, it looks like that whole Mm -hmm. locker room is bought and sold to this guy. Um, And do like, I look at I look at the the coaching carousel right now and I look at what options we have and the only option that I want and this may piss off a lot of people not because of the person but because of what I'm going to say afterwards the only person that I see right now in this coaching carousel that I would want to come here is Lance Leipold at this point um mm-hmm. just because of what he's done at Kansas mm-hmm. but here's here's the thing that's going to make people mad I want him to stay at Kansas Um, I want him to make Kansas a good football team because I've said this on Twitter and I will say it a hundred times over college football is better football when Kansas is good at football. Um, it's just fun. Yeah, but they've been good like six years out of the last 90. (laughs) That's why it's so amazing. That's exactly why it's amazing. Like when Rutgers was good, like that was a fun time in college football. Yeah. Shiano was there back then too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, me. I just, there's, I have I like this, you. now that we're outside of the big 12 and I don't have to care about Kansas, like watching the Kansas Jayhawks be good at football just makes me happy. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what it is internally that drives me to feel that way, but it's just awesome. Stay at Kansas Lance. Like don't, <laughs> don't leave there to come here. Like it's, it's it's fun. Uh, so I want Mickey Joseph to have this job just because, I mean, he just he just has the it factor in my mind. Um, like the only time where where I could say that somebody else had the it factor, which there is only one example that you can pull out of the entire college football landscape in the last mm-hmm. thir- 20, 30 years is Dabo Sweeney. He had the it factor. Um, he had his guys locked in. He had his guys fighting for him. And that's why they kept him. They were like, all right, let's yep. see what happens. And I think these what, kids are playing for Mickey, for sure. I, I agree with you, especially yeah. on the evidence of that locker room video. For me, I've got to see another game or two. I just oh, yeah, need to see absolutely. another game or two. And I, I get what you're saying about Leopold. I, I, I do. I do. And, you know, I said it on Twitter when Mickey was uh, – 
named the interim head coach. There was a wide receivers coach that was named an interim back in 2008, who's now won two national titles at, at Clemson. So there's definitely a pattern there. I don't know if Mickey is the kind of guy that Dabo is, but based on that locker room video, I think his boys are 100% behind him. Um, and I, Hey, there's nobody more than me that would love to see the guy that got his career ended at Norman, Oklahoma back in 1990. I think it was 1990 when he got shoved into the bench and tore his knee up and would never play football again. There's nobody but me would love more than that redemption story that five, six years from now, when we get OU again, and Mickey's the coach, and he finally gets to kick the living daylights out of them, 49 to 14, as opposed to what happened two weeks ago. I don't know if that's going to happen. I do know this. I think anybody that Trev Alberts hires is probably going to be hired with the understanding that that man needs to stay in Lincoln. Because if there's anybody in Lincoln that knows how to make sure that Omaha feels welcome in Lincoln, it's Mickey Joseph. End of story. Yeah. Um, so I, I do. The, I want to make a ahead. disclaimer. I am not saying that I think Mickey Joseph is going to bring us two national championships. Um, I know. Yeah. I'm, I just want to just want to get that out there. I don't think I. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for the guy, but I just like the guy, and. Um, what I see from him is he is laying down the foundation necessary yeah, for our culture to change. Mm-hmm. Does it mean that he stays here indefinitely? I don't know. I, I, I don't, I can't, I don't have that kind of forethought with it, but what I do know for sure is that right now in the coaching carousel, I'm not particularly, I'm not particularly impressed by any of the names that are, that are coming out especially, Especially considering what we just saw with Dave Aranda in his game mm-hmm. against Oklahoma State, I was not Wasn't impressed. Pretty. I was not impressed. He was he was one of the big names, and then after that game, I was like, mm, now it's kind of kind of not not impressed there. But uh, but, but I once again, that's hi- I, I, I wouldn't hire Mike Gundy over Dave Aranda. No, I wouldn't because uh, he know, hasn't. He's a man. He's forty. Yeah, yeah, um, fifty. <laughs> He's my yeah. age now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Aaron. I know you've got something to say. On I was going to say think? with the with the Aranda thing, kind of. Uh, Matt Campbell was also in the big talks there, and I think after oh, yeah. his last last two weeks, he's kind of excluded himself from that job as well. And, and I'm I'm on the same boat with Kansas. I, I think that they need to, and and they've said already that they will do everything in their power to keep Lance there. So, um, I'm happy for the guy. I want him to keep on keeping on with what he has building there. Um, and again, yeah, Mickey, he could earn the job, which he has every right to it. As far as right now, he's the lead guy, as far as Trev's probably concerned, but I also trust Trev Alberts enough. He has just as much, you know, optimism and, and belief in this program that he's going to get the right guy, regardless of who he brings in. Yep. So yep. I, I have trust in the program where it's headed right now. Absolutely. So I think that pretty much ends that discussion. Why don't we turn our attention to the game on Friday? This is a challenge for this Husker team because they're going on the road, number one, and they're going on the road a day earlier than they're normally used to playing after fighting like crazy to beat an Indiana team that, I don't know, we probably should have beat by more than 14. 
So let's take a look and ask ourselves, based on the stats, does Nebraska have a shot at being beating Rutgers? In scoring offense, Nebraska is seventh in the conference at 31.4 points per game. Rutgers is 12th at 24.8, basically just less than touchdown. Uh, scoring defense, we give up 32.6 points per game, which is 14th in the conference. <laughs> and Rutgers is 11th, scoring only 23 point or giving up only 23.6. So that might be a little bit of a struggle. Rushing offense, we're sixth in the conference at 177.8. They are eighth in the conference at 170. Nebraska is sixth in the conference at passing offense at 260 yards per game. Uh, rushing, oh, I skipped one, didn't I? Uh, rushing defense, that's the one that scares me. We're 14th in the conference at 200 Point two yards per game given up on the ground. Thank God we only gave up, what, 67 against Can uh, Indiana. So that helped our numbers a little bit. But they are sixth in the conference at 95.6 yards per game on defense. Going back to passing offense, we're sixth at 260 yards per game. They are 13th, 161.2 yards per game. So I expect our defense backs to have a good game on Friday. Passing defense, we're 12th, they're 6th. We have 269 yards per game that we give up. They give up just under 187. We are 6th in total offense at just under 438 yards a game. They are 13th at 331.2 yards per game. And total defense, we're 469.2 yards per game. We improved our numbers by about, what, 46 yards? per game on the average after that performance against Indiana. This Rutgers offense isn't a whole lot better, so I think we're going to improve the numbers again. But they are sixth in total defense and giving up only 282.2 yards per game. So looking at those numbers, Aaron, what do you think the keys to victory for Nebraska are going into Piscataway? I think first and foremost, the offensive line has a lot more work to do if they're going to go up against the defense. I think Rutgers defense might actually even be a little bit better than the stats show as far as um, right. like how they're able to hold down because they would, you know, they would have beat Iowa had the two turnover touchdowns not happened. And then obviously they played Ohio State. So the numbers are going to be a little bit more skewed that way. But right. um, if the offensive line can't hold them back because they do look like they're going to be able to get back in that backfield again, as everybody else has been anyway. But uh, offensive line has to get better. There's no other way around that. The, the team's going to go through the line as they always do. Is there another key you think needs to happen? Is there something on the defensive side that you think uh, Nebraska needs to do to win the game? I would say just continue where this game was because I wasn't expecting the performance we had against Indiana. So if they can be more consistent with the tackles and keep, you know, the pressures on. They don't, uh, Rutgers isn't, they don't rely on their passing game at, at, at all. Like that's not their thing. Um, they have a bunch of different quarterbacks that have taken snaps this year. Um, Noah Vedrill's not one of them. He has not thrown a pass for them this year. He's only come in for running, uh, running plays, but their running game is kind of, it, it's varied. It's versatile. They have tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, all running different kind of scheme plays through the running game. So, mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a lot more looks that our defense is not used to, 
But if they can, you know, they mentioned simplifying the defense, simplifying where your eyes need to be. If they can, you know, sniff those out mm-hmm. and stop them short of the line, then it's going to be a rough night for Rutgers as well. So, all right, Scott, what are your keys to winning the game? Anthony Grant needs to continue his proficiency, even with uh, our assuming our offensive line stays about the same. Um, yes, we need to be able to rely on the run game to set up schemes for our pass game to be proficient. Um, our defense needs to play a same game like we just saw recently. I'm I'm not looking for them to improve if they can. Like, I mean, they, they, they exceeded my expectations in this last game. So I, I don't wish to bite off more than I can chew with that. If they can play the same way that they played, I will, I will be okay with that. Um, and then the last thing is we need to just not make dumb mistakes, no mistakes, like Few mistakes, obviously, but the dumb game-changing mistakes that we did not see. I mean, we did. We saw a few game-changing mistakes against uh, Indiana, but they didn't come to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to see those just eliminated. You know, let's not gotcha. let's not have a fumble in the back of an end zone. You know, like that for one. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, and a few other things, like just. Just don't make dumb mistakes. Um, you can make you can make mistakes. That's fine. Like go make mistakes hundred miles mm-hmm. an hour. Like go do that. Um, but just don't make stupid mistakes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think those are good. Those are good points. I am I am in the same uh, boat when it comes to no dumb mistakes right out of the gate. That's my first big key. Don't do the dumb thing at the wrong time. Number one. Number two, I think um, O-line is key. And I also think um, Anthony Grant needs at least 125 yards. Okay. And then um, the defense needs to stand stand pat, do what they did this last week. Be aggressive, uh, make mistakes at 100 miles an hour. Um, and hopefully when you do make that mistake, you got a brother somewhere within three or four yards of you to make the play. Uh, and I thought I saw a lot more hats around the football mm-hmm. on Saturday than we oh, saw yeah. previously. Definitely. So more hats to the ball and, um, you know, just support your brothers on that defense. So, um, Wow. That was about as quick as we could preview records. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. I think you. Had I was going to say score predictions. We got to get those out. Oh dang! Did I not put this in there? Wow, I didn't. Nope, I no, just I realized that. I don't. I'll, I'll fill some space while you do that. I do want to add. I do think Casey needs to get his feet moving next game. Again, I don't know if he's injuring uh, uh, injury or good, whatever whatever point. it is, but if he sits in that pocket too long again. He's going to be in the same exact trouble he was on this one. And we almost, you know, the injury could have been substantial. You know, he popped back into the game after hurting his shoulder. But if he if he does not use his feet, he's going to get hurt at some point during the season because he cannot rely on the offensive line. And I think Amen. maybe they can scheme that in there. Maybe he does roll out to the right fairly well. He throws it on the run pretty, pretty consistently. So maybe mm-hmm. they need to work more of those into the offense. Absolutely. All right. Score predictions. Uh, uh, Aaron, go ahead. Uh, I didn't prepare for this one. Um, 
I'll just throw up the <laughs> same thing I did last time. It is a short week. Um, I think the offense is going to be a little more optimistic. Just the way that they played in the fourth quarter, I think that's going to carry over a little bit. Uh, Rutgers doesn't have the home field advantage like most other teams we're going to go up against. Mm-hmm. So um, I will go the same as I did in the last game. I'll go 38-31 Nebraska. 38-31. Scott, what do you think? Um, yeah, I obviously didn't come prepared with this because I, I also <laughs> didn't notice that we didn't have score predictions, but I love doing it. So, um, Off the cuff, yeah. I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a low scoring game, um, mm-hmm. a lower scoring game. Uh, I'll say that our field goal unit's going to actually have to come out a couple times during this game, um, and it's, it's going to be like. <laughs> Actually, this is I'm gonna say game. I'm gonna say okay. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. So 27 to 22, Nebraska. Ooh, ooh, close. That's a, that's a weird score. Yeah, that's a weird score. There might be a little. All right. I am kind of in that same vein with you, Scott. I think it's going to be a little closer than Aaron thinks it's going to be as far or lower score. I don't think the score is going to be closer. I think Nebraska wins this one with two field goals in the fourth quarter. They go into the fourth quarter tied at 21, just like they did in uh, against Indiana. But home field advantage for Rutgers means that Nebraska is going to have to kick a couple field goals and rely on their defense. So I think NU wins this thing 27 to 21. Ooh, now you're making me rethink that 31. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Hey, Aaron, you're probably going to be right. So, uh, well, at least on the 31, 31 part, I just <laughs> hope you're also right on the 38 part. But, uh, fun fact this is something that Scott came up with in one of our early shows, Aaron. I'm okay. not sure that either one of us have anything to talk about as far as fun facts for either one of us, but we would like to know something about you that maybe your audience has never heard about you on one of your podcasts and something about you that maybe nobody that's watching this right now would know. Uh, <laughs> put me on the spot here. Um, I should have gave you the heads up in the uh, Twitter messages, <laughs> you're but fine, I thought, you're fine. nah, we need to surprise you. That's what live streaming um, is all about. <laughs> I, uh, I don't honestly, the biggest Husker fan I can think of, the most loud Husker fan I can think of was my grandmother and she was a, from the Philippines. And so a lot of people don't know that I'm, you know, like a quarter Filipino, but Dude, that's cool. Uh, she, she I, that's one of my biggest memories of her growing up was that, uh, she would be drinking and having a great time watching the Huskers. And at that time, it was a lot of winning. So there was a lot of yelling and cheering and jumping up and down. But uh, very, very energetic. Well, well you know, that's con- completely opposite of what Scott grew up <laughs> watching, which was a lot of drinking and miserable Husker fandom. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Scott, do we have any kind of fun facts that either of us want to talk about i don't really have one other than the (laughs) fact that i sat in the north end zone last night that's it that's it that's a fun fact it is fun (laughs) it was great fact a fact um (laughs) 
No, uh, yeah, I do. I do have one. Um, I have rekindled my adoration for country music, and all it took was getting good country music that I was able mm-hmm. to find. Because um, pretty much anything that's on the radio isn't worth a shit, and anything that's made by anybody on the radio isn't worth a shit, which of course is always in the country top 25s, top 100. <laughs> and so when you go to shuffle country music, it's just the boom, shit. snap, boom, snap you know, yep. talking about trucks and shirtless girls and stuff. <laughs> and so it was, Montan uh, legs and yes. Uh, and I would, is I would, it. yeah, I would like to thank uh, my cousin Jacob for actually finding these artists for me back when we went camping in, um, in the early spring. Mm. Um, since then I've kind of found a good playlist of, of just good, good country artists. And they're not, it's I want to say it's country. It's more like bluegrass and folk and um, and, mm. you know, more of that Kentucky or Tennessee, Appalachia, you know, southern Georgia, you know, stuff that not Florida, Georgia line. But <laughs> uh, yes, good things, you know, like Josh Malloy and the Steel Drivers and, oh, okay. and Tyler Childers and mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, just a bunch of bunch of good artists. I've got like a healthy playlist of what, like a hundred, nice. hundred and twenty seven songs, and I've been listening to them nonstop for a couple weeks now. So um, nice. It's it's felt good because I I knew I always liked country. I just anytime like I turn the, on country radio, it just yeah. it just was like mm-hmm. eh. yeah, it's all radio I, friendly. Yeah, I go back all the way to like Marty Robbins era. That's my kind of country, and that's. <laughs> That's a little Marty odd Robbins, for my age group. Waitlin Jennings, mm-hmm. Willie yep, Nelson, the Highwaymen. That was Highwayman, That's the, that's the Johnny stuff. Cash. I love Cody Jinx. That guy. I just Cody Jinx. I just is awesome. love that shit. <laughs> it's so good. I'm really liking um, Tyler Childers. He is. Oh my god. White House Road is. Oh, it just gets in. <laughs> gets yeah. in there, and he's got a really, really good song. I sent it to the family group chat called uh, "Follow You to Virgie." Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh my goodness. Yeah, such such good, good lyricism. I, there, there was no salty water leaking out of my eyes that day at all. None. <laughs> uh, None. So Great song. Good. But Great yeah, song. that's so, fun fact about me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, Aaron. It it's really means a, a lot to us that you hung out and uh for an hour and thirty seven minutes. Yeah. How it's been a blast. How uh <laughs> how to really break down a team because uh we're pretty much full of crap and we tried to disguise it by throwing some numbers out there so oh, um, i feel that <laughs> <laughs> dude why don't you let everybody know all however many are watching right now where they can find you and whenever people have download the show where can they find you on the socials and youtube and all that good stuff all right so i'm most active on twitter i don't really do a whole lot of social media um i'm at cobsmack media on twitter otherwise i upload previews and recaps to all of the husker games um that most more like this just a lot of numbers talking all righty well you can find us at all the usual places, most notably our website, which is G-E-N-R-E-D-P-O-D, genredpod.com, where you can subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel so that you can uh, see all our live streams and make sure you ring that bell so that anytime we go live or post new content, YouTube will let you know. And then search for us at Generation Red on your favorite podcast app for the 
audio show. So that pretty much wraps things up, don't you think, Scott? I agree. Good show, friends. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. He's Scott, and I'm Ken. And on behalf of Aaron from the Cobb Smacked Podcast, thanks so much for watching. And no matter what anybody tells you, I'm not going to talk about Iowa because there is no place like Nebraska. Iowa's corn sucks and go Big Red. Absolutely. First of all, I want to tell you guys how proud I am of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for how hard you've worked. You've gone through a lot, all this adversity. And I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of you. Thank you for representing us so well. But tonight is about another guy. His first win. Yeah. Yeah.